It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Well, Ryan Talbot, I feel like we just did this, but we're back again. We got it's it's the offseason, but we got tons of content to bring the Bills Mafia back to back days with Shout a Buffalo football podcast. All right. Whether you're celebrating at home or away this weekend, Tops has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football, entertaining or any occasion. I sat down with Mike Gennetti from SpotTrack.com yesterday. We had a 20 minute chat. We went over. A bunch of different things, uh, setting up the bill salary cap situation, the outlook for the offseason, what it's going to look like to maybe retain some players, some potential other players that might be in the mix for the bills. We, we kind of covered a lot in 20 minutes, and we are going to give you that full interview right now. Stick around, hit that like button, subscribe as well. We're four away from 5,000. We're inching there. We're almost there. We're going to play the interview. We will come back. We will react to everything that Mike had to say. Stay tuned. We are hooking up with Mike Gennetti. He runs SpotTrack.com and is my go-to source this time of year and all year long for all your salary cap questions. Uh, free agency is is quickly approaching, Mike. I mean, we talked about this last year, but is, is are you as busy as usual? Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. Look, there's a, you know, the cap is back where it should be. So everybody's back to normal here in terms of spending and you know, now we learn what void years are and restructures are for a lot of these franchises who weren't doing that those before. So I'm, I expect more cap movement than ever this year because of what we just went through over the past year and a half. A lot of teams have cap to burn. A lot of good teams have cap to burn. Um, and I think we're going to see double the amount of trades that we've ever seen in an offseason. Uh, that to me is where many of these teams are percolating in a lot of these notable positions, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. Um, there's a good tight end free agent market. I do I do think a lot of offenses can change quickly this offseason based on a lot of the cap mechanisms that we learned. So obviously this is very bill centric. Uh and, and I want to start before we get into too many, you know, players and and, and contract stuff from a, a an overarching team perspective. I mean, on your website right now, the estimated cap space top fifty-one is, you know, uh a little bit uh it's under or you're they're over the cap, over, almost yeah. uh yeah, a million and a half. So Looking, you know, at the offseason and what kind of some of the things Brandon Bean has to do, how do you kind of, you know, where do you place the Bills in terms of what they have to do, what their situation is entering all of this? Yeah, last year when we talked, there was a lot more going on. You know, there were six or seven notable free agents that had to get contracts. You didn't want to lose them. Um, so it was more about keeping your own and kind of rebuilding and, and running it back, quite frankly. This year is going to be a little bit different. You know a lot more about this offense. You know, Dawson Knox stepped forward was big. Devin Singletary stepped forward was big. Um, so you don't necessarily go have to go out there and make home run hits, in my opinion. You're just kind of nickel and diamond some things. So having minimal cap space in February doesn't scare me with this roster, especially with three or four restructures, a couple of extensions that can really open up 20 to 30 kind of instantaneously right now. 
And what are those extensions? We could kind of fast forward to that a little bit, because I think that's something people are starting to kind of scour through everything. Like where can the bills do some things? I mean, you know, extensions, maybe restructures. What are those prime candidates right now in your eyes? Yeah, You're going to restructure Deion Dawkins for sure. Even though he didn't have the greatest season of all time. Um, you know, I, you, you have to be careful on the right side of that line. As you know, that terrible in situation is ugly. Um, I don't think you're moving on from Daryl Williams, but there's probably some conversations about what to do with that contract after 2022. Stefan Diggs is not a contract extension candidate, but for cap purposes, he could be. That's one of the situations where you can float him out four for 88 and drop his cap in half and really mm-hmm. give yourself some more room to work with. You know, there's no need to restructure Josh, restructure Josh just yet, in my opinion. You wait a year on that one. Other extension candidates, you, you can consider Dawson Knox if you want to. He is extension eligible. I think he showed enough that he's going to be a part of this offense, but you're going to increase cap by doing that. There's no question about that on his rookie contract. So, you know, we could talk about the, the defensive line a little bit at Oliver and things like that, but uh, it, it's a good year for nickel and diamond and a bad year to go big, in my opinion, with Buffalo. Let's go to some of the free agents that the Bills, you know, have to worry about. And before we get to some of those, you know, retaining your own, you guys put out like usually this time of year, you've landed on uh, at least a few players from every team, their market value as they kind of go to into free agency. I think for, first of all, for more casual fans, how do you guys land at that number? Because I believe Matt Milano like landed about 14 million last year. He wound up at about 10, 11 average annual. And I think it, you know, he took a little bit of a hometown discount, but how do you guys land at that value and project, you know, guys' numbers, maybe like a Levi Wallace, who's close to 10 right now, but might land it a little less than that if he, if he stays in Buffalo. Yeah, that's right. Uh, mathematically speaking, we have uh, a certain stack categories for every, every position, off ball linebackers, edge rushers, things like that. We've got four or five stack categories that we identify. We track those every single year and, and our market values are built over a two year basis. So, you know, if we're talking about Levi Wallace's number right now, we're talking about 2020 and 2021 production for him based on those stats. We toss in three or four ratings based on some advanced analytics, some next gen stuff, some PFF stuff, things like that. Um, just to kind of round out the number a little bit. And then we, we put those numbers up against variables and we use a little bit of artificial intelligence to bring in the best comparisons for Levi Wallace. So for instance, Shakarius Ward, uh, in Kansas City, super similar player, you know, versatile kind of linebacker slash cornerback role, similar market value. It's, I, I just think it's the going rate if we're going to you know, transition to Levi's number here. Uh, I get surprised by numbers every time they come out of our calculation, too. I really do. And, and, and sometimes I forget where the market's going. If you think about where the CB1 is right now at $21 million a year, you know, your third or fourth option on a veteran contract is going to be between seven and 10 at some, to some breath. So, He's on the high side of that because he has had to fill in for some injuries over the past two seasons. So his production has amplified in that regard. Um, but th- that is part of it. Games missed. If there's injuries, we, 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 we kind of put red flags on these guys in terms of market values as much as possible so that we're not, you know, conflating these to the point of where it's, it's not realistic, even though 10 million for Levi Wallace is probably not realistic. And I'm interested because, you know, if he, if he were to get around that market value, it would put him just outside of the top 20 in terms of cap hits right now for 2022 before any deals are made. And I mean, if you really start to think about it, that's kind of in the range at 25 to 35. I mean, he's on the high end, probably as much as some bills fans probably would argue against it of, you know, the cornerback twos out there. I'm interested though, when you, when you put that value of cornerback two up against slot and, and, and the, yeah. the extension that Taron Johnson just signed. I mean, he's one of the premier slot guys in the league. He was paid like that, but even still, 
Levi Wallace is set up to make quite a bit more. Do you ever see that trend maybe flipping a little bit and CB2 maybe dipping down and maybe that slot corner position as it gets more and more valuable as the years go on to maybe skyrocket up in terms of what that cost will be like? Yeah, we saw this with the wide receiver. So why wouldn't we see it with the cornerback, right? The guy who's guarding him because it, it depends on how offenses are going to, are going to be, are going to be structured. And what we saw this past season, and I know you guys followed it closely, Kansas City had to change their offense. They, they couldn't go home run every, every third play. Buffalo's going to have to do that next year. You know, Josh Allen's going to be figured out here now in terms of those deep balls. In fact, he was to, to, to a big degree with Stefan Diggs throughout this season. And that's going to open up the middle of the field, as we saw in the Super Bowl, right? That's where Cooper Cup ended up living for most of that Super Bowl, which is going to make those slot guys, those across guys, those off-ball linebackers even more valuable. So getting Milano locked in was big for this Bills team. Getting Taron Johnson locked in was big. You can kind of see how Brandon Bean is thinking here. He's, he's, he's forecasting where passing offenses are about to be in the next two years, and it's not the deep threat anymore. So, yes, Tredavious White's valuable to this roster, but guys across the middle are going to be as valuable soon, and the, and the prices will, will catch up eventually to that. So some of the free agents that are out there right now for the Bills, you know, you got to look at a guy, Harrison Phillips. Levi Wallace is obviously a big one. Isaiah McKenzie, although, you know, it was an up-and-down season for him. His high-end production is is yeah. really, really good. And I, I argued at the end of the year, he was he's in some way a priority for me, not only for what he does on the field, but what he does in the room. Now, the connection in New York and Brian Dable, I wrote about that at the end of the season. I could see that being a really good fit, and they probably can figure out a, a better deal maybe than what the, the Bills can yeah. work out for him here, especially with the Cole Beasley saga. Who do you feel like are the priority, maybe one or two free agents, if you were Brandon Bean, that you look to kind of make a deal with? Let me ask you this, Matt, because you follow this very closely. Uh, how high would you go for Isaiah McKenzie? How high do you think is going to have to be too high for Brandon Bean here? Me personally, I'd walk away from Cole Beasley and I'd give Isaiah McKenzie as high as six a year. There you go. And so you, you replace one with the other. I love that option. Yeah. And b- just because I think he's already shown you, he can do a lot of the things that Cole Beasley did. And he has, he's a little bit more high end in terms of production as part of the offense week to week. I think Cole Beasley, as good as he was in that two or three year span of being that safety blanket for Josh, Josh doesn't need a safety blanket anymore. He can make any of those guys his safety blanket. And we saw in Gabriel Davis from week to week, it could be any guy that pops. And I think McKenzie gives you more versatility moving forward. So the versatility is what scares me with this price point. I think six is about right for me too. He he values to about five right now on our site, but it's such a small sample size and he's kind of a mixed Mm -hmm. bag. What scares me is, yeah, you're right, Dable, Dable would like to play with that toy a little bit more, my, my, my guess is. And I look at Miami, who needs everything, and now has a guy that just came out of San Francisco who kind of built that Debo Samuel offense and could look at a guy like McKenzie and say, this could be the next guy. This could be the guy who's, who's not Debo athleticism, but could have that kind of versatility. And if we throw eight to nine at him and, over, and get Buffalo out of the bidding more, there's a real chance that he ends up in Miami, in my opinion. And the interesting part about that is he already thinks that he is in that conversation with yeah. guys like Cooper Cup and, and Devo Samuel. He said he was doing that before they made it cool, I guess. Uh, that's obviously the Isaiah McKenzie, uh, the fun part of it. Let's get to some cap casualties because I think that there's a lot of guys that offer a lot of opportunities for Brandon Bean to add room. And at the top of that list, we got to start with Cole Beasley. You know, I think it's about six and a half million that the Bills can save if they were to just straight up cut them. We talk about this every year, like that the balance between restructuring, they did a lot of those last year versus just moving on from your expertise right now. What, what's your outlook on Cole Beasley? 
I, I like the contract. Uh, so it's not a case where I say we have to get out of this contract and maybe start over with him on a new contract. To me, that's a keepable contract. That's a tradable contract, in my opinion. So maybe that's step one is let's go out and see what we can maybe get with this guy. Can we package him in a, in a, in a good draft pick and get somebody of actual value for this roster? Maybe a, you know, an edge rusher, maybe another wide receiver to go with Davis and, and digs down the road. I have aspirations that there's, there's a move on Cole Beasley that isn't just an outright cut. But with six plus to, to be saved here and the Bills in the cap situation they're in, at the end of the day, you know, I'm not even going to try to restructure that. I'm just going to flat out cut him if I can't trade him. So to me, that's a simple one uh, in terms of cut versus restructure. The defensive linemen got, are very, very difficult, though. I'm, I'm not sure uh, where Bean's head is in terms of do I want to push a lot of cap to 2023 knowing there's a couple more miles to feed, possibly Diggs, possibly Dawson Knox, possibly, you know, a couple of those edge, edge rushers at that point. Or am I in a mode where I just want to kind of pause? And he did so much running it back last year. I do think there's uh, there needs to be a concerned effort to shake things up a little bit this offseason, Matt. Maybe maybe toggle a couple of guys out, bring in some fresh blood, not just through the draft, but also via trade as well, which he's shown he's, he, he will do. And then on the offensive line, I think yeah. that there's a lot of dollars there. Daryl Williams, John Feliciano. I think you mentioned uh, maybe that Daryl Williams is somebody that you probably wouldn't move on from, but the dollars are, yeah. they're, they're so high for a guy that you're all of a sudden paying a lot of money to be your starting right guard. When you have a couple guys on the roster already that you could probably try to fill in there. I'm interested. And obviously John Feliciano is another guy in there. Yeah. What's your take on him and also the Mitch Moore situation the last year of that contract? Is there an ability for Brandon Bean to extend Morse, which brings down his cap number this year? Because he played so well last season. He was so consistent that maybe you want him in the mix for the next couple of years with Josh. Yeah, he would have been at the top of my cut candidacy list 12 months ago, but he really played himself back into a role in this roster. And I think he and Josh work well together. I absolutely extend him. Uh, some sort of restructured ex- extension. He's got a roster bonus that's that's guaranteed basically for uh, for injury right now that I would just roll into a signing bonus, push him out at his current rate, maybe uh, maybe a little under $10 million a year, which is where he is right now. I think he'd be happy with that price point. I don't think he's outplayed his current contract. I think he's just worth two more years is, is the mm-hmm. best way to look at it. So, yeah, you can save some cap space by doing that right now. You know, if you have to, you, you restructure Daryl Williams' base salary. And you, you, you know, you're going to move on next year, most likely when that contract allows for it. And you just eat the dead cap next year when that 2023 salary cap rises quite a bit for the league. What's the projection on that? Actually, I haven't seen an, a number. Is there one out there that, you know, people are kind of talking about right now? Yeah. The guys who are smarter than me say 230, which is 230. Wow. A big, big, big swing. So a lot of teams are kind of eyeing that and pushing some dead cap into next year, knowing that you're going to be able to kind of take on 50, 60 million without, without too much urgency. One more before we move on to a very perplexing topic. AJ Klein, I think it's like somewhere like five million if they yeah. just cut him. Is he a candidate? I think they could probably do that. They brought back Tyrell Dotson at probably a very low number. It, but they love Klein and we know what he, you know, what how well he's played when he's been asked to play. Is he one of those guys that maybe they could do what they did with Mario Addison and make a void year or and do yeah. that? Does that make sense in this in this scenario? Yeah, or even a combination of that with the Morse conversation. Which is if we like the price of this guy, and I, I like it, I think that's the right price for for a veteran. Now he's getting up there in age, but his production was massive last year. Do you just tack on a year and move a lot of that cap into 2023 and make it friendlier for you this year, but give him a year and a half fully guaranteed to keep him happy? I think you can be really, uh, really smart with the cap right now, but also keep a lot of these guys happy, which is the battle when you're a winning team 
the ego start to pile up a little bit, just, just out of natural, you know, process. Mm -hmm. So just tacking on a year makes a lot of these guys feel real good about themselves. Uh, and I, we know what he thinks about, you know, being here with Sean and all, and all that. So that makes sense. All right. Starla Tulele. I, I feel like the ultimate polarized. I mean, you want to talk about Cole Beasley and, you know, the people that were on the both sides of that fence this season, Starla Tulele is just one of those guys, no matter what he does, it's a lightning rod for conversation. His contract is such, I think it's like a little bit more than 9 million of a cap hit, 7 million dead cap, uh, according to the site. So, I mean, you'd save, you know, what you'd added like 2 million in cap space if you moved on. What are the options with him? Because A, reliability, availability still seems to be an issue with him. Yeah. You do need an interior piece. I mean, bringing him back and having him there, but at that price point just seems like a lot to swallow. What are the options with him? I don't think he's tradable either, which would be my my first option. So I don't think that's an option for the Bills right now. If I'm Brandon Bean, I'm accepting this contract for what it is. I've already tinkered with it enough. The COVID opt-out kind of made things you know, kind of funny for both sides. I'm just going to restructure him <laughs> and, and, and just eat it next year when I don't really have to think about it. The contract will be completely out, outside of itself. Tack on some void years like the rest of the league is doing. And just make the, make it better for you right now, which is really the only thing the Bills should be worrying about. And any of these contenders, let's let's make 2022 the best, easiest possible year for us in terms of winning a Super Bowl, and uh, deal with it in 2023. I just think there's too many unknowns. Availability is such an issue, but the contract doesn't really make it friendly to move on from in any capacity. So restructure, drop that cap hit, push it to 2023, and let it let it kind of ride out after that. If they do all of this and, and yeah. all of the kind of pushing it down the road and all the, you know, maybe some cuts and trades, whatever, what, what are we looking at here in terms of maybe one big swing? And I don't know necessarily if that's Chandler Jones at some market yeah. setting contract. I don't know if that is it, but maybe a Khalil Mack. What's the situation there? I've, I've read that, you know, maybe post June 1st for him makes a lot of sense. If the, if the bears cut him, there might be some money there. I don't know what that swing is, but is there maybe a swing via trade or via free agency if they do, if Brandon Bean does all this kind of roster construction. Yeah. If you're talking free agency in terms of the edge rushers, and we've seen this, anybody approaching or at 30 is, is 15 and under right now. I mean, that, teams just aren't overpaying anymore for those kind of players. So if you're talking, you know, Zadarius Smith, who's probably going to fall off of green Bay, Chandler Jones is going to fall off Arizona. I can't go North of 15 for any of these guys right now. So I think the bills are, are in because you can easily adapt that kind of, I mean, we're talking seven, $8 million cap hit in year one, right? So right. I, I think it's extremely doable. Buffalo is going to be attractive for these kind of guys. You know, you're replacing Jerry Hughes right out of the gate. You know, you, there's a role for you on the roster. So I think agent player and bills are going to fall in love with this kind of uh, maneuvering. Daniil Hunter out of Minnesota in terms of an easy, easy trade, you know, a late round pick trade to bring that contract in. There's options, man. And and mm -hmm. I don't think you have to go up high in the draft for this one. I think you can go wide receiver like it's been projected for Buffalo and, and deal with it there. I, I think the running back situation could be upgraded in the middle rounds. And I think edge rusher is going to be free agency slash trade, maybe both, to really shore up the rush with this pass rushing kind of thing. I like it. Bills fans are going to like that yeah. as well. All right, final thing here. Let's dive into Stephon Diggs. 17.9 million hit this year, 18 million in the final year of his deal in 23. But that extension this offseason, I mean, everybody's talking about it. What does it ultimately look like and what does it give the Bills? We talked about it a little bit at the top, but yeah. what does it ultimately give the Bills in flexibility this year and what does that contract look like? Yeah, I've got a I just did a piece with with the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill in almost the exact same situation except for he has one year left. But, you know, the, the cap rollover, everything is almost identical to Stefan Diggs right now. 
They're both at projected to about 22, 23 million a year, which is, you know, top five, but not top three right now in terms of wide receivers. And I think that's about right because they have to share the wealth, share the ball a little bit with their prospective positions. So four for 90, you know, maybe gets it done, tacked on to the two years he has right now. Give yourself plenty of years to spread out, maybe two bonuses like the Bills have been shown to do, a signing bonus and an option bonus. And with the Hill, with the Hill restructure that I put together, his cap hit was $8 million for 2022. So wow. you're talking, you know, maybe it's 10 for Stefan Diggs with, with his double bonus situation. And uh, extremely friendly for Buffalo. Obviously, you want to line him and Josh Allen contractually. I think that's part of this. That's why you're doing it now and not waiting to next year. You want to make sure Allen and Diggs are somewhat together in terms of their guaranteed dollars. But it's not going to be a top-of-the-market contract. It's going to be cap-friendly for the most part for the next two years. And what else matters? <laughs> exactly. Mike Gennetti, SpotTrack.com. Let everybody know where they can find everything you got coming up, what you're working on uh, for this uh, this next run here through free agency. Yeah, we're at SpotTrack on Twitter, S-P-O-T-R-A-C. There's a SpotTrack podcast twice a week. And uh, SpotTrack.com is the site to find it. There he is. Thank you so much, sir. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate your time. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. All right, there he is, the man, uh, the myth, the legend, Mike Gennetti. Uh, this is the second straight year we get him on the show to kind of break down everything from a salary cap perspective. He is actually a Bills fan. He covers the entire NFL, MLB, NBA, trades galore this time of year. He's on top of it. Um, and, and we bring him in again to just kind of set the table here. We're going to react to some of that. But from hot to go pizza and appetizer, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs and subs, delicious salads and brownie trays, Tops has everything you need. To feed the hungriest fan, Ryan Talbot. We're bringing you into the show because I did the open. I'm trying to get to the interview, and I didn't even bring you on. Your biggest takeaway from from what we just heard? Well, I don't think it's anything mind blowing. It's what you and I have mentioned many times: the fact that the Bills have a chance to go all in this year, and they can work contracts ar- around that, knowing next year that the salary cap is going to skyrocket to two thirty, most likely. Uh, the fact that you can move some monies around in, in that capacity. That's the biggest takeaway that I got out of this because I saw on the chat as it was going on, well, you can't afford this player at X amount of dollars per year. Annual average salary is not the same thing as how these teams can build these contracts in. So cap pits are a completely different uh, monster on a year-to-year basis. So for a Chandler Jones, for some of these defensive ends that he mentioned, uh, those edge rushes that would really take the bills over the top. You can be very smart about how you structure that contract and make it a win-win for both sides. What about you, Matt? First and foremost, to your point, which I think is an excellent one, is really trying to understand what Brandon Bean has at his disposal in terms of levers that he can pull to open up the right doors for the sal- to fit certain players in- under the salary cap, whether it be free agents, re-signing players, you know, Levi Wallace comes in with that scary 10 million per season, but it, it probably ultimately lands somewhere closer to five, maybe, maybe, maybe three seasons at, you know, 17 million or something along those lines. And I think you can live with that. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the way that it goes, but all those little things, you know, Harrison Phillips, you know, being at about five and a half million, you know, he, he had one really good season, solid season after some injury riddled seasons. that's going to affect his number. We saw, Matt Milano come in at almost four and a half million less than what he was kind of tabbed at is what he could get on the market. And part of that was him take, take, wanting to stay in Buffalo and take a better deal. But I think that the important thing to, to, to remember, and it's why I phrased the question like that to Mike is 
what are the what are the chances the Bills have at least a swing on a big time player? And he said he, he not only limited it to free agency. He said he could see going D line in free agency, going D line via trade, uh, maybe post June first as well. I, I mentioned Khalil Mack. There is some uh, some contractual stuff to where the the Bears I think save some money, significant money if they cut him post June first. Uh, probably looking to kind of start anew there and, and move on from that contract. That could be an interesting piece as well. So I think it's about understanding that there's there's options and some of these big time players, there's potential there. And, you know, so the guy that I, I, I bring up and, and I put it in the in the headline here and I did it for a reason, because this is a guy in Chandler Jones who is 31 years old. I believe he'll be 32 at least at some point uh, over the course of the next season, played 15 games last season, 10 and a half sacks, 41 uh, combined tackles. This is a guy that gets to the quarterback. I mean, he was what he was in 19 and 18 for the most part. His pressure rate was about the same. He doesn't miss a lot of tackles, which I think the bills will like. And he is that kind of upper echelon game changing pass rusher that you bring in here to not only do what he does as a pass rusher, he could set the kind of table for the rest of this line. I mean, be a mentor for Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, AJ Appanessa, kind of show them the ropes. There's appealing parts of coming to the Bills if you're Chandler Jones. Number one, you get to play on a team with Josh Allen. And I think everybody, you know, that it's kind of looking at the Bills right now, that's where they're kind of starting. He's from the central New York area. Um, obviously his brother, John Jones, very famous. Arthur Jones played in the NFL as well. Very famous family. Uh, Chandler went to Syracuse and also you get the chance if you sign with the bills to play the Patriots two times a year, Bill Belichick traded him to Arizona years ago. I'm sure there's no love lost there. That would be kind of a cool, uh, you know, the, the story coming full circle. There's a lot to like. And when he said that year one for Chandler Jones could kind of, you know, ring in at about eight, 9 million in terms of the cap hit this year. Ryan, that that cap hit is easily stomach. You can stomach that because they were paying Jerry Hughes more than that last year. Yeah, a hundred percent. And listen, it, he's still a player despite the age that's playing at an extremely high level. He's taken over some games. Uh, you you knew that, or you have a good idea that he's not going to be back in Arizona. I mean, last year he wanted out at one point. He was asking to be traded from there. So if the Bills can kind of talk to him and, and get him at that salary in that in year one and then work around it, it's a home run for this Bills team. They need a proven entity, someone that can take over a game in that area. And I liked what Mike said about uh, Brandon Bean being really good about forecasting where the league is going because you do have your uh, Matt Milano re-sign and you have your Taron Johnson because of the way the league is going. But if the Bills can get that one pass rusher, that can really create havoc on a snap-by-snap basis and can help develop those younger players. That puts the defense over the top. And I know a lot of people will say, well, they had the the top ranking in the league this past season, and I get that. But some of that had to do with the competition. Some of that had to do with the back end of the defense. They still haven't had that signature pass rusher in quite some time. And you bring him in here, and it's going to help the young guys. It's going to help this Bills defense. And like you mentioned, I mean, uh, hometown Rochester, New York, uh, maybe, you you know, I, we, we don't know what's going to happen with training camp this upcoming year. But if you imagine if you could have a practice or two back there, uh, mm-hmm. the heroes welcome that he would get there. So th- there's a lot of things to really love about that potential idea. Yeah. And I, listen, Jones is on a steep decline. He did have half of his sacks in one game, uh, a, a commoner 
writes on YouTube. And I, I think that's fair. I would imagine he's not the same player that was putting up double digit stacks year after year and, you know, uh, all pro uh, a couple of those years. He's, he's obviously probably not the same player, but I don't think anybody thought that the Rams were trading for the Von Miller that everybody remembered. And in the mm. biggest game on the biggest stage, the guy comes in and delivers two sacks. Now he's playing on a line with Aaron, Aaron Donald. So let's make sure that we have that kind of in there, but listen, you want Ed Oliver. I mean, we saw a big jump from Ed Oliver this year. I think he's ready to take another jump next year, but you've got to put a legit guy next to him. And I think Chandler Jones kind of ups the ante for everybody on that defensive line. Let's stay there for a second, Ryan. Star Latule is so interesting. I mentioned it you know, to Mike. He's so polarizing. Every show that I go on and talk to him about, it's like he's this, he's this problem that there's almost no way to solve it, right? There's no way to make everybody happy whether it be completely move on from him, find a way to restructure. I think that there'll be a portion of the fan base that are still disappointed. Somebody says there's big savings. If you move on post June 1st, I disagree. I, you're still going to eat a five plus million dollar dead cap in 2022. And that's something that traditionally Brandon Bean doesn't want to do because listen, just think of it from a just logical standpoint. Why would you want to pay somebody $5 million not to be there when it's going to count basically against the cap anyway? Of course, $4 million on your cap, that's at least something, but it's not game-changing at all. And when he's right, when he's engaged, Starla Tule was still a really good football player this year, and I didn't anticipate that even coming back in a rotational role for what they ask him to do, you could draft a one technique, Ryan. You could try to find one on the free agent market, but there's no guaranteeing he's going to fulfill what you need from that spot. You know, Harrison Phillips was really good, but what if he takes a step back? If you bring him back, I, I don't hate the idea of having Star Latule on this contract uh, on this roster. And there are mechanisms to make it a little bit more, you know, uh, something that you could kind of live with a little bit more if you can restructure that, but just wanting to move on from him, I think is a little bit short sighted because he does do something that they covet and something that's important when he's there. Yeah, agreed completely. And, you know, I could be wrong, but I've said the only way he's not on this roster in 2022 is if he decides to call it a career. Uh, the savings just aren't there, the, even if it's the post-June 1st. He's someone that has a, a role that can contribute when he's in that lineup. You don't know what's going to happen with, you know, Harrison, and you don't know if you're going to uh, add a guy via the draft. That, that's the thing. You know, you, you have free agency first for a reason they might try to get a one technique there and maybe they, they miss out on that. That's another reason you don't just get rid of guys like star Latula. You don't know who's going to be there in the draft when, when the draft comes along either. So it, it's really interesting, but I get why some fans are frustrated over the last two years with Latula, but he played pretty well at times last season, especially early on in the year when he was on the field. Mike changed my mind a little bit on Daryl Williams. I was I was really settling into a place where I was comfortable with them just eating it and moving on and and adding that six million this year, couple million next year. But you know, a restructure and pushing some of it down the road, it makes a lot of sense. I I do think they'll be able to bring back Ryan Bates. You know, RFA. I think that they are going to value his versatility find a way to get him back. But that only gives you one answer inside. You don't know what Cody Ford is. I'm higher on Cody Ford than most, even still, especially now with the addition of Aaron Cromer, which I think could be good for him. But I think at least bringing back Daryl Williams on a more, um, you know, appetizing number uh, as a starting right guard, I think it makes a lot of sense. And, and it seems you can do that and push a little bit down the road and, and it, it solidifies that offensive line more or, Ryan, you can move on from Daryl Williams, save that money, 
do what he talked about, maybe trade for a guy, sign a guy uh, on the defensive line, really attack the defensive line with veteran players, guys that have proven in the league and just go O-line heavy in the draft. That could be a strategy too. Maybe you, you, you package a couple picks, move up to get two or three guys on the offensive line, maybe specifically interior that you really like. It's certainly possible. And, and Brandon Bean has said that, you know, the first priority is protecting Josh Allen. There's some risk in doing that if you're going to do it via the draft, because uh, as good as some of these players look coming out of college, it's, it's still a crapshoot. You don't know what you, you don't know what you're going to get. Daryl Williams, uh, he's up and down. He's he's not worth the amount of money he's getting right now if he's a guard, because that that contract was signed for him to be a tackle. You know what he brings to the table. You know what you're going to get out of him. It's a risky proposal to replace him with someone just via the draft or even a few guys out of the draft just because you don't know how that's going to pan out now. Maybe Cromer, maybe this Bills team, they they eye someone in free agency. If you can bring someone in for the amount that you can save to move on from Williams, maybe that's what you do. And then after you have that person under contract, you can move on from Daryl Williams or or something of the sort. But I agree that it's not just a simple, well, let's get rid of this guy because you make your offensive line worse if you do that. And that's the last thing you want to do when you have a franchise quarterback that you're looking to protect. We didn't get too much into it on the show, but Mike, if you go listen to, uh, I think it was his pre-Super Bowl Spot Track podcast, he went with 10 bold off-season predictions. And one of them had to do with the Bills. And it was it also had to do with what he was mentioning with Cole Beasley, that he feels that that's more of a tradable contract than it necessarily is one that you want to just move away from, even despite the, the, the money that you'll save. Now, there's a couple of things there. I want to ask you, First, before we get to the trade that he mentioned in the podcast, Ryan, what do you think about Cole Beasley's prospects around the league, whether it be in trade interest or even free agent interest? Should he be cut where he's at as a player? I mean, the production, if you go and look at it, it was still there considerably last season with the Bills. Yeah, 100%. And you kind of hit upon it, though. Uh, in your interview with Mike, when you said he, you know, the first year or so, he was a security blanket for Josh Allen, and Josh doesn't need the security blanket anymore. So maybe he wasn't getting the same amount of targets. Maybe he wasn't uh, the, the first read in the option anymore. You had a guy like Diggs, you have Gabriel Davis, you have Dawson Knox that comes along. All of a sudden, on some plays, you have Cole Beasley being option four, option five, where before he was option one or option two, and he didn't go much further than that. But around the league, there's still a value. Uh, there's a lot of teams that would want a Cole Beasley. Slot receivers are so important today's day and game. Has he lost a little bit of a step since, even since the Bills signed him? Yeah, I think that's a, a fair, uh, fair assessment. But can he still contribute? Put up uh, solid stats? Be someone that could help one of, a young quarterback around this league? Absolutely. Uh, you know, there's a lot of young players, second year, third year quarterbacks that would love a security blanket like that, like he was for Josh early in his career. So I do think there is a market, uh, especially, you know, if the Bills were to part, just part ways with him, I think you'd, ha- you'd have a lot of teams trying vying for his services. And I still think there's going to be a few teams, uh, as he mentioned, that could call and say, hey, you know, what would it take to get Cole Beasley? Is it is it a mid round pick? Is it a late pick? Is it a player for player deal? What do they have to do? You know, somebody says Matt Flynn over on Facebook that the Patriots would sign Cole in a heartbeat. But it's funny enough, and maybe that's the case. And I know that Bill Belichick's a fan. 
Uh, I, I've, I've spoken to him, I think, at one time on one of his uh, Zoom press conferences, and he and he was talking a little bit about Cole Beasley. I don't think that that's necessarily what the Patriots need. I think they need a like a true one. They need a guy that could take pressure off Mac Jones. They need they need a Jamar Chase. And the problem for the Patriots is they're not usually able to find that in the draft. I mean, obviously they went and undrafted Nikhil Harry. And, you know, Justin Jefferson was a, was a, was a late first round pick. Uh, you got to get a little bit lucky. I'd, I'd say there as well. Uh, but we'll see. All right. So here was the trade that was, um, proposed by Mike on his podcast. And Scott Maranto, if you're listening somewhere, <laughs> you're probably going to be sitting there. Like if you watch WWF back in the day, you're, you're coming to the ring. Like you're the ultimate warrior. You're getting in the ring. You're shaking, you're shaking the top rope because you called this in December, uh, potentially a trade for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, obviously the Carolina connection, a couple things here. Number one, Ken Dorsey is now the offensive coordinator with the Carolina Panthers. This is why I think it's interesting. I'm actually writing about it this weekend. It'll, it'll either come out Sunday. I think uh, I want to really put my, so, some time into it or maybe early next week, but I really want to examine this trade. I'm not even necessarily saying whether I think they should do it or not. Cause honestly, I'm really on both sides of the fence in this. And we're going to dive into all the, all the thing issues that I have, Ryan, but you know, Ken Dorsey's here. He was there. He was Cam's quarterbacks coach that last season, Christian McCaffrey's rookie year. So you have that in place. You have Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, who are ultra familiar with uh, McCaffrey, Bean even more so, uh, being one uh, on the staff that drafted him. And the trade is interesting because the trade he, pr- he proposed is Cole Beasley, a second and a third for Christian McCaffrey. And so first and foremost, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot. Two draft picks is, is one that's going to really sting for a running back who you've already spent draft capital uh, on that position uh, in, in a couple of drafts here over the last couple, uh, three years. So the interesting part about it though, Ryan, is that part of his projection in this, in the bold part of this take is he thinks uh, Mike Gennetti thinks that Christian McCaffrey's future is more in the slot than it is at running back. He could be a versatile player, almost a la Adebo Samuel type Isaiah McKenzie, that kind of thing. And that could be his fit in the Bills offense. I think it's very interesting. I think if he could stay healthy, it's even more interesting. But that's a big if, Ryan. What do you think about the assets you got to give up, the injury concerns, all of it? The the assets is is where I start a little bit. A second and a third is a little steep for my liking. And listen, when, when I say running backs are a dime a dozen, I get that they're not a dime a dozen when it comes to – a healthy Christian McCaffrey because we know how special he can be when he's healthy, but there's, there's question marks about that. Or, and then, you know, the projection about him becoming a slot, is that realistic? Is is that where he's going to be going here in the near future? Maybe it is. And if so, that softens that blow a little bit. So I I don't know if I'd be willing to give up both of, of the day two picks if I'm Brandon Bean and I'm that front office but the one thing I'll throw in there is Brandon Bean call. I think he, he referred to that trade as a sleep or not this trade. I'm sorry. The selection of Christian McCaffrey as a sleep easy at night pick, meaning that uh, he felt good about that pick the entire time when, when he was in Carolina, when the, when the Panthers had him, he really hyped him up last off season. And when he was talking about, is there still value in drafting a running back in the first round? And he mentioned the likes of Christian McCaffrey and Elvin Kamara uh, and there was a few others that he mentioned in this one interview. So he's obviously very high on McCaffrey. He would he would know uh, he, he would have a very good feel for McCaffrey in terms of their previous experiences together. The interviews that I'm sure that 
he did with him through the draft process, what the future might be. He's always thinking ahead, like Mike said. Uh, But the Bills would have to have a great plan in place for him right out of the gate, get him in here uh, to to make sure that when you're getting rid of picks like that, a second, a third, and then also a valuable slot receiver, uh, that he is going to be someone that one is on the field as close to an entire season as possible. And I get you can't predict injuries, but what are you going to do to lessen the the odds of that happening? Are you going to make him your workhorse back? Are you going to start transitioning him to the slot? How can you maximize a trade like that? And, you know, money wise, if they do a deal, I think there's probably a portion of his $14 million cap hit this season that the Carolina Panthers take on in terms of what they pay him and what, what time of the year they actually do the deal, if that were to be the case. But the cap hits in 23, 24, uh, specifically, they're, they're large. I mean, they're, they're nearly $18 million and the dead cap to, to cut them is way too high. I mean, he's on your roster. He's part of your plan for the next three seasons. And I feel like that's a, a large commitment, unless you can restructure that thing. Um, he, he's a really good player when healthy. And, 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 and who's to say that like, he's not able to get kind of like have a little bit of a resurgence, maybe, you know, playing a little bit more of that versatile uh, dynamic role will put him in a position to take less hits, maybe not, not get as banged up, but it's a lot of projection with valuable draft capital where I think when I've, if I'm being honest, Ryan, I use those picks in a trade to go get a pass rusher. I go out and try to trade for Daniil Hunter, who I think he mentioned him as well. You know, whatever it looks like to kind of get another piece on your defensive line. I think that's where you want to spend those assets. If you're willing to just kind of start, you know, uh, getting rid of a couple picks. Yeah, and Hunter was interesting because he mentioned a late-round pick for Hunter, but what's interesting about Hunter is the last two years for him have ended in injury. You know, kind of similar to Christian McCaffrey, you have to be careful about that. This year it was a torn pectoral, I believe, and then he was having a neck issue that was considered pretty serious at one point. Um, I'm I'm actually looking that up now. It was a a herniated disc in his neck Mm. uh, before that. So there's some risk involved in that. Um, yeah, that was from November of 2021. So, so maybe those, the two things went hand in hand, but there's risk involved. But if you remember how good he was and how much of a playmaker he was in terms of getting after the quarterback, if the bills did a medical check on him and they felt comfortable with that, by all means, send a a pick or two for a player like that, that can be a difference maker. As much as I like a Christian McCaffrey, as much as he could be an asset to this offense, I think this offense is good enough as is right now, even before free agency in the draft, where you know they're going to still add some more pieces in uh, to to kind of hang and contend with the best of the best in the AFC and the NFC. It's that pass rusher, that legitimate game changer that they're truly lacking right now. Some great stuff from Mike Gennetti. Make sure you get over to SpotTrack.com. You can do all your studying. Uh, if you sign up for their pro version, you can even do some some projection type, cools type of stuff. Uh, mess around with it. I know the draft boards are super exciting this time of year, but messing around with different like cuts and uh, how that's going to affect salary cap. It's it's fun for the diehard football fans out there. Uh, and if you're hosting a large party this weekend, tonight, tomorrow, check out Topps' huge selection of party platters. They have delicious, effortless, and affordable, no-stress ways to impress. For complete details, stop by their carryout cafe or visit topsmarkets.com slash fantasyfoodball. I think that'll do it, Ryan. Any final thoughts? Yeah, final thought, actually. One question. Let's bring it up here. I like it in the chat. Oh, very nice. 
Are you ready to mortgage our future for a chance at one Super Bowl when we have Josh Allen for the next 10 years? I'll let you take this one first, but I have a, a pretty fast answer on this one. Yeah, I think I think projecting 10 years down the down the road is a dangerous game to play, especially with a quarterback that plays the the style of football that Josh Allen does and I'm not putting any bad juju on him or anything. I think that the well-rounded nature of his game really sets up for him to be the anomaly that he's been his whole career. Like I I don't put him in any type of bucket, but I think that there's always that concern when you're as aggressive as a runner as he is. You take some hits, you know, over the course of your career, those injuries start piling up. If you're asking, is it time to get rid of draft picks to bring in proven players? We talked about this already, Ryan. I'm, a, I'm aboard that train. I'm ready to see some big time moves and I, I'm expecting big time moves this offseason. Matt, what does that one shirt say that a lot of Bills fans wear? Just, just one what? Just one before I die. Yeah, not just 10 chances to possibly win the Super Bowl. No, 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 no. Just one before they die. The If the Bills won a Super Bowl next year, some fans would not care if they went, they didn't win again for the next nine years. If there's that one Super Bowl trophy, fans would be ecstatic. I don't know, Buffalo might burn to the ground, so it might not matter what would happen the next nine years after that. So, yeah, just one. That That's all the fans have been clamoring for for decades now. So absolutely, if if they can make a move this year that gets them over the top and maybe puts them in some financial straits four years from now, three years from now, whatever the case may be, it will be worth it in the end because there is there will be a Lombardi trophy in their trophy case. Look at you, Ryan Talbot, bringing it as always, the man – We'll be back next week. I'm trying to think about, you know, who we might have next week. I guess I can kind of tease it. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be next week or a future show. We have a fan show coming up that we promised. Brother Bill is going to be on the show pretty soon. Ooh, we've been we've been looking nice. at a date. That'll be fun. Probably talk about some sweet potatoes. And uh, Labatt Blue, of course. But, yeah, stay locked onto the site. Ryan put up uh, uh, the first mock draft came out from Todd McShay. That's up at the site right now. Um, I'll have uh, a couple things over the weekend. I think one, like I mentioned the Christian McCaffrey, you know, we'll, we'll just discuss it. I, I, I'm I, like I said, I'm not really on either side of the thing. If it happened, I, I feel like it would be intriguing, but I have a ton of reasons why I think it's a risk. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of play risk reward a little bit in the piece. Uh, I'll also have my top biggest questions for the bills entering the off season. I kind of want to set the stage for the offseason that'll drop on monday so look out for that and then we'll be back next week with a show and before you know it i'm gonna be in indianapolis combine baby we're gonna get dialed up on some draft coverage i'm excited for ryan talbot i'm matt perino see you then Shout, a buffalo football podcast hosted by matt perino and ryan talbot